Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. We are here at New West Summit, the beautiful Embarcadero behind me, to talk to Micah, one of the co-founders of Canopy Boulder, the original cannabis accelerator incubator. They've now moved out of Colorado and spread to both Berkeley and San Diego. It's a fantastic episode packed with knowledge for founders about how to reach out to them, how to raise money early. We get into the nitty gritty of how to run an incubator. It's great stuff, guys. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. We are here at New West Summit, which is the premier cannabis conference in San Francisco. And we're going to do a couple interviews today. But today is the first one I'm really excited about. We have Micah here from Canopy Boulder. Nice to meet you, my friend. I feel like this is well overdue. I love incubators. I helped start the launch incubator in San Francisco here a couple years ago. We've done some work with Gateway. You guys have recently grown to Berkeley as well as San Diego now. You've sort of expanded. How do you make that decision? When do you know it's time to, to grow and leave Boulder? Uh, it's a tough one. We, we argued about that internally for a while sure, with yeah. uh, all the partners jumping onto different sides of the argument at different days and depending on how we were feeling about things. Um, I think pretty much every single business owner out there uh, struggles with when to expand. Um, I would say for us, uh, a lot of it was starting to do some research and laying the groundwork and having some objectives that we were looking to fulfill. And uh, whether it's expanding into San Diego with a franchise model, uh, that was about finding the right partner. Um, Could we find somebody we trusted and who had the experience, uh, angel investing and venture capital investing uh, to lead it? And also, was there the network of mentors and advisors that's necessary for an accelerator? I'm sure you're familiar with that challenge. Yeah, absolutely. How do you do that, though? I mean, how do you go to San Diego? Did they come to you? Were you looking to start in San Diego? How does that franchise kind of bubble up? Sure. So ArcView is uh, critical for that. So the ArcView group is obviously the biggest investor forum in the cannabis industry, uh, business partner of ours. Uh, Eric Gomez, who's the CEO of our San Diego uh, franchise, um, they uh, uh, approached us, uh, Eric did. Um, and we'd known Eric through the ArcView group for a while. And so this was not a out of the blue uh, relationship, right? This developed over time. Um, Eric said, hey, what about this idea? Um, you know, at first we were a little bit like, huh, we're not really sure. And, you know, we went back and argued about it for a while and yep. thought about it and talked to Eric more. And through that whole process, it, it came uh, to be that, right, Eric's the right guy. So he's got the experience as an investor himself. He was a member of Tech Coast Angels. Uh, he had a team in mind for how he was going to staff this and build it out. Um, you know, companies like MyDX were willing to, uh, you know, help out with some uh, office space as well, mm-hmm. get things going. And next thing you know, um, as of uh, Monday, uh, six days ago, uh, we launched nine companies in the San Diego office. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Super exciting. Um, So unlike San Diego, the one in Berkeley is run and owned by Canopy Boulder proper, correct? And kind of how do you make the decision not to have another franchise in Berkeley like you do in San Diego? You know, why why run it yourself, I guess? A lot of it is uh, the A-B testing that we always uh, tell our companies to do. Okay. Uh, so try both models. Uh, see what works, see what doesn't. Awesome. Uh, running two locations is obviously really stressful and, and very challenging from a travel and logistics point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my partner Patrick and I are bouncing back and forth and, you know, uh, high fives in the airport Fun as stuff, we, uh, yeah. we swap time uh, with our wives and families versus being <laughs> out in Berkeley. Uh, but we also have our director out here, Mason Levy, who's uh, just doing a great job leading things day to day. And 
without somebody like that, it's not possible to, to run two locations. Yeah, it raises an interesting question, though. I mean, incubators, accelerators are hard. Mm -hmm. um, they take a lot of hands-on work. I think a lot of the recent commentary about some of the big incubators, YC, et cetera, 500 startups, is that the classes are really big, yep. and they don't get as much hands-on. It's mm -hmm. not as valuable. How do you grapple with that? I mean, now that you're doing two in different locations, sure. I mean, how do you make maintain that that focus? Yeah, so we're, we're lucky, right? Uh, being in Boulder, where we're based, uh, Techstars was the accelerator we really turned to for guidance. And the folks over at Techstars are, are wonderful people, yeah. very, very friendly and open. Um, they've shared a ton of insight uh, with us about how very to do cool. this effectively. Uh, we also have a couple other accelerators in town, like Merge Lane, the women-focused accelerator in Boomtown. Um, it takes a community, and there's a lot of learning about this whole process. Uh, one of the big ones, for example, the hands-on nature, um, we cap our classes at 10 companies. So four months, maximum of 10 companies. Uh, right now we have nine companies in the Berkeley office, another nine in the San Diego office. Right. And we have different teams, obviously, right? We're not running a program in Boulder right now because we knew we couldn't handle uh, running both Boulder and Berkeley at the same time with one team. Uh, San Diego is a little different because they have their own team of mentors and advisors and staff. To so help your out. cohorts don't run concurrently then? No, no we always are going to keep them uh, structured so that we have a team focused on a cohort. Yeah. And, uh, you know, while mentors and advisors are really critical and they're, they're a huge part of how the, the program works, uh, the reality is that uh, Patrick, uh, Mason, Megan, me, we're all involved day to day with these companies. And there are some things that really do require that hands-on uh, effort in order to provide the value we want to provide. And that gets back to the culture we were talking about earlier before uh, starting the interview about we want to do things differently, right? We don't want to be the Y Combinator of uh, cannabis. Yep. Uh, we want to be, uh, you know, Canopy. And Canopy is supposed to be a place where entrepreneurs feel welcome and they can trust that while we're investors and we're coming in as investors, we also come in with common shares, for example. We're not taking preferred share uh, positions. Uh, we're not taking board seats. We're not trying to take control of their company away from them. We want to collaborate and be a partner for the long term with these companies. Got it. Um, you brought up kind of board seats and terms. So what are the terms of, of Canopy? What do you get? What do you give up? Then? Sure. So we do uh, 6 to 9.5% common share equity uh, in each company. Uh, in exchange for that, we do a four-month business boot camp, uh, the accelerator program, mm -hmm. and access into the mentor network, uh, access into the ArcView group. Uh, so everybody, every company gets a chance to present to the ArcView group yep. and that investor forum. Uh, we also offer a $50,000 convertible note to the top few companies okay. uh, in each cohort, typically around week eight, week nine. Okay. Right now, for example, I'm evaluating the Berkeley cohort to ah, see okay. award, make three uh, $50,000 awards into okay. that particular cohort. Yeah. Um, so no money up front. 20,000 up front. 20,000 up front. 20,000 okay. up front. That's seed capital, which is intended for living expenses and to let the teams focus, because that's a huge part for us. We want teams to be 100% focused on building this business. Got it. And then week eight or nine, which we're in currently yep. at the Berkeley class, you decide who gets more. Yep. There's a competition and our investment committee, which we bring in actually some of our investors who are uh, typically a little bit hands-off during the program, right? They're not engaged. So they bring that unbiased view of which companies are really outperforming their peers. Okay. Um, and generally out of a group of nine, it's a pretty clear distinction which ones are in the, the you know, first few positions in the company. And what makes cohort. it clear? What, what are sort of the metrics you look for? Or what are the elements that make it clear? Team, uh, team maturity, uh, coachability. Um, Teams like the first three. Yeah, right? team is super important, <laughs> yeah. right? And I mean, I, it comes down to, uh, you know, essentially are these people that you want to be uh, entrusting your money with? Um, and we look to skills, 
experience, uh, coachability, uh, depth on the team? Uh, do you have a business person uh, and a tech person? And maybe a salesperson, mm -hmm. um, or maybe a, some other combination of skill sets yep. uh, that brings a, a depth to that team. Mm -hmm. Really, really critical. Um, we look at traction, and depending on what the company may be doing, the traction may be different. Those key performance indicators are sure. different. Uh, for a software company, it may be developing certain features or getting into the app store or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. uh, for a company with a product, it may be prototypes of the product and evolution of that, or it might even be product sales. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes for a B2B service model, it may be letters of intent from uh, companies that are uh, moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And then, of course, the other big one is scalability. Uh, we're investors, so we don't want to invest in lifestyle businesses. Right. And by lifestyle businesses, I mean those businesses that, while they could make great profits for their owners, uh, they're not ever going to be worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. There's no scale to them. Yep. Um, and there's nothing wrong with those businesses. I do love them in one way, but I can't invest my the money. The world is full of businesses like that. And they're terrific. And, and yeah. if you don't have to raise money, this thing I always tell people, great. Absolutely. <laughs> like, good for you. Yep. Go, go make whatever you do or build whatever you do and, and love your life and make some money, and that's, that's okay, right? Sure. But that doesn't make you investable. Yeah, I and I mean, as an example, uh, I know a guy who does um, data analysis work. And doing data analysis work is essentially consulting, um, and he has a great lifestyle and a great living coming out of that. He has no intention and no desire to turn that into a, a software as a service business mm. that would then scale into venture capital mm. si style growth, yeah. where you could actually see a $500 million valuation when Salesforce buys him in five years or something like that. He doesn't even want to go in that direction. So right. we're not going to invest. Uh, we're still very happy to you know, bring him into the community and we love helping him out a little bit. Uh, but it's a very different relationship. How do you have that conversation with a founder? That's exactly how I have it. Just, just Literally, the way you just did I, with me. I'm probably too candid 99% uh, of the time, yeah. but to me, I don't like any bullshit about what we're trying to accomplish. And I don't mind disagreeing with people at all. Um, I think that's perfectly fine, and I love uh, disagreeing from time to time. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I want to be very clear with people about what it is we're trying to accomplish, what they're trying to accomplish, and hopefully uh, there's a path forward for us, but if not, that's okay too. And there's nothing wrong with you know being friends, but not being business partners. Sure, absolutely. So you brought up kind of like being clear about what the goal is. Yep. Maybe just tell us what, what's the ultimate goal with, with Canopy Boulder? So Canopy is about making money for our investors mm -hmm. while supporting the industry through responsible growth. So those two things, and we're balancing them, right? This is, uh, it's like making money for your shareholders and taking care of your employees. Yep. Uh, for us, we're trying to build this industry into a, a responsible industry. Um, you know, Troy over at uh, the Arcview Group always talks about how industry can be the catalyst for uh, change. Mm -hmm. And we can change social justice issues, uh, we can change environmental issues, we can change a lot of things through business. And Canopy is very much focused on building really good businesses. And good in that sense of they're taking care of their shareholders, their employees, their clients or customers, the environment, uh, the states that they operate in. Uh, so we want all of our companies to be reputable. We want them to be really effective companies. And by helping them start and getting them started on the right path, uh, we think we can get there. Got it. So what does a typical day for a cohort <laughs> look like? You know, I mean, um, so we have about six to eight hours a week of scheduled time. Um, the rest of the time, the teams are in self-directed mode. Um, they're going to meet with me and Patrick and Mason and some mentors and advisors every week. Mm -hmm. So typically that'll be another four to five hours of meeting time. Um, 
Tuesdays, Thursdays, uh, typically we have mentor sessions. Uh, we typically do four mentor sessions a week, about an hour apiece. Mm -hmm. So that's four hours there. We have pitch practice uh, every Tuesday evening. Okay. Um, that's typically three and a half hours of um, getting embarrassed in front of your peers as you try to present 30 seconds on what your company does or give me a five minute pitch on what your company Classic does. Classic incubator stuff, yeah. Absolutely, a little painful there. Um, and then the rest of the time, you know, we're often encouraging them to, you know, get out of the office, um, network with business owners, dispensary owners, growers, uh, edible manufacturers, um, go recruit, uh, go up to UC Berkeley or go down to Stanford and, and make friends with some of the grad students and bring people into the team. Yep. Uh, because we're at New West Summit, I have to ask you about sort of the, the value of conferences. You mm. know, uh, A lot of times I think investors struggle with, should my companies be out talking to people yep. on the floor or they should be go building their product, right? Yeah, yeah. How do you look at that? So it's actually, that's a terrific question for me in particular, right? Because uh, <laughs> I, I don't like conferences. Yeah, me neither. Um, and they drive me a little bit bonkers. Um, and I always feel like I'm wasting my time. And I'm always sort of corrected by the, uh, my business partner, Patrick, who uh, is very much uh, conference-centric in the way he builds his network and, and uh, builds his community. Um, and I think we both have our points, and I think that both are valid to some degree. Um, so we, he and I have terrific debates and arguments about you know, which conferences should we attend or the companies attending. And uh, I think we really uh, appreciated both sides of that. Because you do, you come to a place like New West, and I've been here the last two days, had a really terrific time uh, and reconnected with a whole slew of people mm -hmm. that I had sort of forgotten to connect with uh, mm -hmm. via email or phone because I just don't see them in my daily life. Yep. And so that was incredibly valuable to me. And at the same time, right, I do have a stack of to-dos um, that require me to sit down at my computer and hack away on some legal documents and some financial projections, make some phone calls in private and all of those things, which yep. right now, you know, they're not getting done. They're not getting done. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting is uh, the wide range of quality of conferences. Sure. Right? Won't name any, but there's some that are very consumption based yep. and there's some that are more sure. and more business based, right? One of the things that I'm always caught off guard is when I come to an event like this and I see the suits yep. everywhere. I'm wearing a jacket. You're wearing a jacket, but you got your jeans on, right? You're kind of doing, you're kind of doing both. Yeah, my wife got on. me these shoes. They're supposed to be really trendy. So. <laughs> Are they like made of hemp or I don't like know. recycled I rubber? Actually, I don't know. Or she something. told me to wear them and I put them on, so it's, it's all um, good. Do you ever feel like when you go to these events that s people are sort of trying to like artificially legitimize what's going on here? You know, like they, they're like, oh, well, if I look the part, people will feel better about the industry. Do you think that's you know, part of it? I, not really. No, I think actually we have a lot of suits moving into the industry. Yep. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but it is a different type of person. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot more people, honestly, who have my background coming in, um, right? An MBA, Fortune 500 experience, military, all of this stuff. You know, a guy uh, snagged me on the way up and he's like, oh, you know, just wanted to make the veteran connection, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, ex-military guys. Um, so I think these people are moving into the industry a little bit more than they were before. Mm -hmm. uh, Colorado, uh, Washington, Oregon in particular have proven that this is a legitimate industry. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you have uh, groups like BDS Analytics producing uh, really amazing data uh, showing um, over 130 million in tax revenue year to date uh, flowing into Colorado. Mm -hmm. um, that's undeniable. That's yep. a lot of tax money uh, that is, was previously perhaps not flowing into the state coffers and is now flowing into the state coffers to fund roads and education and all of the other things yep. that we, we need. It's doing what was promised that it would do, yeah. Right? Yeah. which is amazing, yeah. which is so incredible yeah. for the cannabis community yeah. as a whole. Um, and I do look at Colorado and the people who are doing well, yeah, there's some big business people, 
but there are also a lot of smaller growers and smaller operators who have been with the industry from day one and they're doing great too. Yep. Um, it was about them adapting and accommodating uh, changing regulations and recognizing that it is not fun to have regulations change every two months but I'm still gonna be compliant so my shop doesn't get shut down. So they have not been squeezed out no. as many people would. That's the big fear in California right now is that all the little growers, yep. it's very splintered in California, mm -hmm. that big farm is gonna move in, we're gonna legalize it and then they're gonna get squeezed out. Yeah, and I think that's uh, unlikely to happen, very unlikely to happen. I think a lot of people are going to struggle tremendously with the transition. Mm. Um, I find California to be very backwards uh, with regards to the cannabis uh, community. Why? Um, there's no maturity to it, right? So people have been doing uh, semi-legal activity for so long now that uh, they talk about uh, medicating, they talk about patients, they talk about all of this stuff, which isn't the right lexicon even. Mm. And if you use the wrong word, then the connotation and the whole belief system is incorrect. And it doesn't really make sense. Um, so if we're talking about medicine, in America, medicine means pharmacies. Yep. And I'm not denying that and cannabis- And sick. Yeah, and I'm not right, denying yeah. that cannabis will have medicinal properties I'm, you know i'm confident of that that's yes. that's clear but it is very different than big you know buying tylenol mm. and if we're talking about medicine we're talking about a pharmacy and sure i'd be worried about GlaxoSmithKline and pfizer and these guys stepping in mm. if we're talking medicine mm. um, and we're really talking wellness right and so this is like omega-3s and fish oil sure. and uh, ginkgo balboa and all of this stuff that uh, we're really talking about i yep. believe um, as the wellness uh, component. And then the medicine requires the research and the real development of more traditional Western style medicine, uh, which I think we'd all love to see the research, but it does require federal funding at this point or right. very large state funding like California could right. theoretically move money. I, I couldn't agree more. I think we are doing in California ourselves a huge disservice by continually going with the patient, patient, patient rhetoric because uh, it allows naysayers to say, ah, well, they're just, joking around you know they're not serious they're mm -hmm. pretending it's for their illness or whatever yep. we're not really helping ourselves in yep. that way i hope come november that it gets I, a little bit and i understand the polling's good so november should be 60%, good 60 i think positive that's something what, like yeah. what i've heard and it yeah. should be seems like people think it's going to pass which is great uh, but no i i completely agree and i i don't like hypocrisy you know mm. being a very candid and honest person you know i look at the hypocrisy of alcohol regulation versus cannabis regulation and i get pretty upset about that mm -hmm. and i'm like i don't want that hypocrisy i want this to be treated in a responsible manner and i believe that we can do that um, we just have to be honest about what we're really doing yep. here and you know in in colorado for example the governor was initially opposed to cannabis legalization and a lot of people called sort of bullshit on him and said, hey, you made your money as a family in the alcohol business. Mm. So how is it that you're, you're gonna peddle alcohol and turn around and say that cannabis is so much worse when all the data points in the exact opposite direction? Because it doesn't support his, his wallet. And that was, you know, I think a lot of people called him on that and eventually it took him about a year and a half, two years, but he's come around and now he's a pretty good supporter of the cannabis community. I think in large part because the cannabis community has welcomed regulation to some degree and said we're willing to work with the marijuana enforcement division and we want this to be effective and we don't want kids to be consuming and we don't want this to be uh, you know um, illegal activity anymore. Mm -hmm. you know, we don't want diversion up to you know Kansas or Wyoming or anything like that. Right. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the community, the investing in sure. uh, cannabis community. Um, it's not easy to raise no. money in cannabis. There's a lot of people kicking tires, uh, a lot of them downstairs, unfortunately, that yep. want to be involved, are interested, but are not actually writing checks. Sure. 
how do you deal with that? I mean, how have you guys raised money? Tell us a little bit about your experience sort of navigating that. So I think it depends for each person based on your personality. But assuming you're, you're an upfront business person, um, you've got to find your particular tone and tenor for how do you raise money? How do you go out and make connections to these people who are very, very scared about uh, being involved in the industry? And of course, as investors, every investor is scared of losing money. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I'm a value investor sort of by um, uh, uh, thinking, um, Benjamin Graham type stuff and Warren Buffett style mm -hmm. value investing. And, you know, the, the key there is don't lose your money, right? <laughs> uh, because you need money to make money. So the trust in that relationship of saying, hey, we're gonna uh, help avoid losing money. Um, and then that allows you to get lucky with an investment. And I don't care who the investors are, um, their successes are primarily luck, which is preparation meeting opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, so they have to prepare, they have to do their research, but you can't pick the winners. And this has been proven a thousand times over in every type of investing in the world. Mm. So you're picking companies that have a chance to be successful. And that's what I talk about with investors is Canopy builds a portfolio of companies based on founders we feel are trustworthy, based on business models we feel are scalable, uh, based on proven traction. And that is our approach. We don't know which of them will be lucky and end up winning mm -hmm. and doing really well. Um, but by trying to avoid companies that have no chance, right, we're maximizing our opportunity and the likelihood that we actually return really uh, strong returns to our investors. Sure, yeah. Uh, just going off kind of that pitch to, to investors, one of the things that uh, distinguishes you from Gateway is you guys don't currently touch the plant. You won't invest Correct. in anything that, that touches the plant. Can you talk about that decision and mm -hmm. how much does that open up a bigger world of investors to you? For, well, first of all, uh, it's absolutely huge from Colorado's perspective because we didn't allow uh, outside investment into cannabis uh, licensed companies. Um, and I, that's changing this year, actually. So okay. non-Colorado residents will be able to invest. But when we first started, I was sort of a non-starter, right? We came in two years ago uh, to this market. We're raising and we're talking to investors. And so we had to, to make sure that we could bring in outside investors. Colorado's not a big enough state to do the full fund uh, just out of Colorado. Mm -hmm. um, we're spreading the risk around, um, you know, and, and bringing in people from New York and Los Angeles and Texas and Minnesota. Uh, so that was very much the driver there. Um, additionally, um, the companies that touch the plant often are dealing in commodities. And we don't necessarily love the commodity business, mm -hmm. right? Commodities, by definition, it's a race to the bottom sure. in terms of price. And so a grower, that's agriculture. Right? We're not farmers, uh, we're not cultivators, and generally speaking, we don't see a terrific win uh, investing in cultivation facilities. Um, I think that can be very different depending on the state regulatory structure. If they're only gonna do X number of cultivation licenses and you could invest in one of the big winners, mm -hmm. I could see that being a terrific opportunity. Yep. Uh, that's not Canopy's model. Uh, because it's also a cash Canada, flow. for example. Yeah, to or... get one of the big producers. Yeah, I mean, you look at, I don't know, you know, maybe Ohio or something like that, you know, where maybe it's going to be more concentrated. And, Got it, yeah. um, I could see doing that, but those are cash flow machines, too. So, mm -hmm. uh, like, one of my first criteria for an investor into Canopy is um, if they're a real estate investor, they're probably not in Canopy. Because real estate investors see they want 8% returns starting in six months and running for the next right. 20 years. Right. Uh, we don't do that, right? We're betting on 100x returns from one or two companies yep. to drive 10x returns pay to our investors else, yeah. and pay yep. for everything else. Yep. Classic venture capital mm -hmm. uh, model. 
Um, so it's very different than investing in an edibles company or something like that. Yep. Um, now brand plays are where that uh, uh, sort of shifts a little bit. Sure. And we do see a ton of value in some brand plays, like Tuatara has done some investments into brands. Uh, Privateer obviously has done some, mm -hmm. uh, Poseidon, and we have as well. Um, and I think the brands will be very strong. The danger there is always intellectual property rights given the federal uh, status and right. not being able to do a cannabis trademark. Um, so you might end up with some very interesting challenges in the future defending trademark status or other intellectual property. And that's a whole industry that people have started as well as the yeah. trademarking and cannabis industry. Yep. Yeah. Um, cool. So because you look at so many companies, one of my favorite things to talk about is deal flow. Sure. You know, where does it come from? Where does it come in the door? Where do you get the deal flow from? And as an extension of that, what kind of are some of the trends that you're seeing sure. and going on? What are you excited about? What am I excited about? Um, I love agricultural tech and think that's really fascinating. So cannabis is a pretty much a uh, one of the stronger cash flow producing crops. Mm -hmm. So farmers in cannabis actually have the ability to spend money uh, to make their grow better. And that's pretty neat, whether you're talking about irrigation technologies or lighting technologies or nutrient technologies, uh, harvesting technologies, all those are agricultural tech. Yep. Um, I think those are really, really interesting plays. So one of the sponsors, for example, at uh, New West here is one of our portfolio companies, Gronetics, mm -hmm. uh, which is working on automating grow uh, solutions to make them more efficient. And I think that's really, really amazing area. Yep. Um, and cannabis is sort of unique in having the cash flow to support that type of business mm. in the research and development. Mm. And I love this idea of building something in cannabis and then going back out into the real world of tomatoes or lettuce or whatever it may be. And applying it, yeah. Apply all of the lessons learned that you were able to use the cash from cannabis right. to research a new irrigation system that they, you then put into the tomato industry, which is way bigger than cannabis. Sure. And bingo, you've got yourself this proven business that could scale yeah, to that's billions cool. of dollars. But is there an example of that yet? Not really. So uh, Scott's miracle Grow is uh, on an acquisition spree. They've allocated about half a billion dollars, so okay. $500 million to Got acquisitions. It. And I think they've spent about $250 million of that so far on two big acquisitions. Yeah. So we're starting to see like hydroponic tech uh, go back over into sort of the, um, yeah, cool. uh, the Fortune 500 space. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've made some investments like in Gronetics, uh, Front Range Biosciences, BDS Analytics, mm -hmm. that are all companies that we see perhaps developing in the, in the cannabis sector and then moving over into other sectors if they wanted to in the future depending on you know market conditions and all of that but also you know setting up acquisition targets is part of our model right so eventually uh, the tobacco industry will move in well you know maybe the harvesting technology for example is something they would invest their money into mm -hmm. um, we're gonna see all sorts of software plays come in so Microsoft uh, announced their uh, Intro, kind of, yeah. yeah, which wasn't really them doing anything, and yeah. <laughs> Oracle had been doing similar stuff for years and just never done a PR announcement. The fascinating part was that Microsoft did a press release. Yes. Like, why would they have done that? They yes. could have completely done the deal silently, and it was very interesting. Why do you think they did that? I think they were testing the waters. Mm. Um, I think they wanted to see if they got regulatory pushback and um, stockholder pushback. Right? Yeah, you know, it's one of those like you know they easily could have backed out of the deal if they'd had bad press out of it. Mm. Um, and I think they probably got fine press you know, or positive press, and, and then they were like, okay, so this is good, and we'll let this continue. But 
they're probably just providing you know server space and some back-end analytics and right, right, basic right, right. stuff. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, testing the walkers. I like that. I like yeah. that reasoning though. Yeah. So uh, most people that watch this show are founders. Sure. They're all people that want to be in the industry or thinking about starting a company. Maybe they're looking to raise around. Yep. Kind of give a little bit of advice here. I mean, what do you look for the kind of companies that you let into Canopy? Uh, you know, how do they get a hold of you? That kind of thing. What do you, what's a good way to approach this? Sure. So. Uh, first things that they should do are go to the website and see the portfolio companies we do have and read the website and really read about who we are as people. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to invest in people who share our uh, philosophies about business, about growth, um, you know, and it's, like I said, it's fine to disagree and to go in different directions um, because we're going to invest in people we want to do business with in, in two years and five years and ten years. Mm -hmm. um, and we see, a, see that as critical, the team uh, structure. They need to build a team. Um, coming in as a sole founder is very unusual. We've had a couple do it because they're really exceptional people, but I would say it's a 10% chance of that working out. Mm. Um, so part of building the team is convincing somebody else that you're not crazy, <laughs> right? So can you convince your college roommate that this is actually a good idea sure. and they should quit their job and join you and, and do this particular thing? Um, they need to prove some traction and some validity in the market. Even if that's surveys and focus groups that they do on the weekends with friends, you know, does somebody want to actually buy that new vaporizer that you're uh, trying to build? And have you done it's any It's not service? enough that you want it. Exactly. Right? Does I, I anybody else want it? I don't yeah. care what you want in particular. Yeah. That's I the want number one thing I hear from founders. Yeah. Like, oh, I made this because I wanted yep. it. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I have 20 <laughs> ideas of stupid things that I want, <laughs> yeah, right. which nobody else would ever buy. And, you know, like I could waste my money developing it, but yeah. I don't want to do that. And I'm not going to ask other people for money to support my own craziness. Uh, we all have that, and that's fine. Yeah. But when we're building a business that we're looking at about venture capital and bringing money in, this is about you need to sell the idea of making the investor money. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully you're doing that in a really good way. Uh, that's what we believe in. But you do have to say, if, if somebody gives me $100,000, how am I going to hand back a million-dollar check to them in five years and seven years? Right? What's the growth process and where does that go? You don't need to have it all flushed out but you need to have a concept of how this could grow. Mm -hmm. And is this really a, a business that has scale and has legs behind it? Um, and the traction is really the way to prove the market validity. Um, nobody expects you to have all the answers. You don't need to to come into Canopy. Um, but being coachable, uh, doing A-B testing, you know, read the lean startup. Uh, you have to read about this stuff. Um, you need to do your research and your homework. Um, coming in passionate, Honestly, I just don't care that much about passion. That's table um, stakes. It, it is You better actually, be passionate. Yeah, yeah. Everybody involved in this is passionate. And you can't just walk in and say, oh, I'm passionate about cannabis or something, therefore I'm a good founder. Mm -hmm. Right? It needs to be a lot more than that. Yep, absolutely. Well, I, th I don't think I could have said it better myself. Uh, much appreciated for being on the show. Thanks for being here. Glad we could pull you upstairs for a few minutes. There's been canopy companies on our show before. Few of the current class have reached out, so I look forward to doing some of those interviews as well. Yep. But Micah, great to meet you, and uh, thanks so much. Thank you. You want to plug anything here? When's the next applications come out? Um, what do I plug here? Uh, come to Vegas. November 15th is our demo day for the Berkeley cohort. Cool. Uh, you'll see nine amazing startups up on stage presenting. Um, you can also go to a Marijuana Business Conference in Vegas, which uh, George is saying is going to be huge. Uh, it could be like 10,000 people wow. showing up in That's Vegas. That's a lot of people. And oh, by the way, uh, hopefully we'll just be uh, celebrating the election victory for 
uh, hopefully Hillary and uh, the all of the initiatives, the referendums across the country. Yeah, you have any plans for election night? I've been trying to decide what to what to yeah, do. Yeah, so there's a big party that uh, DPA, Direct Policy Alliance, is putting on uh, down in LA. Um, that's going to be the big one, I believe, for California. Okay. Um, we're going to be hosting something up here as well in partnership with the ArcView Group. We were just talking downstairs about where that's going to be, so okay. we'll put out an announcement there. Awesome. And I'm sure there'll be something in Colorado as well to uh, get people involved. Awesome, Michael. Well, great to meet you. Thanks again for being here. Thank you. And uh, thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you next time. So did you like the show? Because this stuff costs money. Like we got lights, Jacob the director, Eric the producer. We'd like to be able to fly our guests out here. We go to Seattle. We're going to go to Colorado soon. All this costs money, guys. So if you like this show, if you give a shit about cannabis, head over to patreon.com slash investing in cannabis. It's a great platform where you can donate, you know, five, ten dollars a month totally anonymously, so no one will know that you like weed or that you're supporting us. Uh, but if you listen to this show, if you watch it, if you care about it, you know, just give five, 10 bucks a month and that really does matter, it really does help us out. So thanks so much for doing that and I hope you continue watching and you enjoy what we're doing here.